Today on Sagittarian Matters, honored Capricorn Beth Pickens joins us to answer your advice questions about attachment, activism, making art during fascism, and more. Stay tuned. Hello from the Sagittarian Matters Social Distancing Studios in Portland, Oregon. Listeners, we have a lot to get to, so I'm just going to start at the top. Producer Ponyo, producer Chris, and I are totally safe. I wanted to tell you that because last time we came to you on the last episode, Oregon was covered in wildfires. And some of the wildfires were getting so close to Portland itself that neighborhoods on the outskirts were under evacuation preparation orders, and the city was filled with smoke. We were becoming human s'mores. We were having that experience. Producer Pano and I fled to Florence, Oregon for a couple of days to get some air. We're all back now, and wildfires are still happening in Oregon But we've had favorable weather, that being our normal kind of gloom that comes in around October. And the rains have helped firefighters contain them at least a little bit. So that's what's happening here. We're all safe, knock on wood, for the time being. That said, I wanted to talk about a couple of other things that are happening. One thing on the upside is I am coming to you from underneath a stack of handwritten postcards to voters in Georgia. I signed up to get some postcards to send to voters in swing states, encouraging them to vote. It may be too late for you to request a batch of postcards, but it is possible to still do phone banking, text banking. And I want to tell you, we're going to post this on an upcoming episode, but I spoke with a friend who is an organizer in Washington, D.C., and she told me one of the best things people can do After checking their own voter registration and making sure that you are registered to vote, it doesn't take very long, she said one of the best things you can do is to try and make sure people in your life or strangers know how to vote. This year, there's coronavirus, right? So a lot of people are voting by mail for the very first time. If you're an Oregonian, you may take for granted that not everybody knows how to do this. And when I say not knows how... It's basically because it's like a Scantron test from when you were in high school. And if you don't fill in the bubbles in the exact right way, and if you don't use your signature that they have on file, or if you don't make sure you sign the back of the envelope or do all these little teeny tiny things and drop it off in the exact right place or get it postmarked on time, then your vote doesn't count. And the goal of this election is to get a lot of voters out and to make sure that their votes actually count. So if you know somebody your friends, your family members, other people you talk to, try and make sure that they all understand exactly how to vote in their area. So that might be you finding the local polling place, letting them know what's up with that, letting them know how to register for an absentee ballot, how to vote by mail. Anything you can do for that will help, in my opinion, and in the opinion of our friend to the show, who we will post a little later. Okay, aside from that, I recorded this episode with Beth Pickens earlier in the week. I come to you from Saturday, September 26th. I talked to Beth earlier in the week. It was after the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. 
but it was before Brianna Taylor's decision came down in Louisville. So we don't mention it. It hadn't happened yet. I want to say um, about that, that it, the decision, it, it's disgusting and despicable that an, a man who fired into a sleeping woman's bedroom and took her entire life away was not charged with her murder. That, that's the fact of it. And I'm so sorry to everyone who is feeling rightfully devalued or unprotected right now, especially in this country. Producer Ponyo, producer Chris, and I are sending you all of our love and all of our support. We have your back, whatever that means, from a podcast from afar. Just please know that our hearts are with you and you have our support. On that note, I want to say, if you're a listener and you're looking for a place to donate right now, outside of bailout funds, um, if you're looking for an organization to help support black women and girls, especially right now, an organization that's close to my heart is the Loveland Therapy Fund. It was founded in 2018 by Rachel Cargill. She had a fundraiser for her birthday to provide therapy for black women and girls. And her social media community raised like $250,000, which made her realize that this was this, this idea took fire, and so she started a foundation. It's an official continuation of the effort to bring opportunity and healing to communities of color, and especially to black women and girls. Through fellowships, residency programs, listening tours, and more, ultimately, they hope to contribute to both the empowerment and the liberation of the communities they serve. So, if you would like to bring black women and girls access to healing that will impact generations, you can find them at thelovelandfoundation.org. Everything I just said was from their website, just so you know. They're not a sponsor of the show. I'm just a fan of their work, and I like to donate there whenever possible. Okay, friends, thanks for listening. Keep sending in your advice questions. Please know that producer Ponyo is sending you a dog hug with her tiny hairy arms. And please enjoy my talk with honored Capricorn and VIP Beth Pickens. Beth Pickens is the author of the book, Your Art Will Save Your Life. Beth is an arts consultant, a Capricorn, and an esteemed friend to the show. Her forthcoming survival guide for artists will be out with Chronicle Books in spring of 2021. But before that, like right now, you can get on her mailing list bethpickens.com and be the first to hear about two new projects she is unveiling next month, October. Beth joined producer Ponyo and I via Zoom this week to answer your advice questions on love, attachment, activism, and as always, making art during fascism. Now please enjoy my talk with Sagittarian Matters MVP, Beth Pickens. Dear Sagittarian matters. It feels wrong to make memoir art during a civil rights uprising, but I also miss it. Please advise. From feeling wrong in Florida. It feels wrong to make memoir art. And this seems like someone that could be, this could be a question from a white person. Okay. Okay. I well, I will always go back to the answer that you just need to make whatever art you you need to make. Always. 
you have to just make the art that is true for you in the way that you want to work, no matter what's going on. There's, uh, there, we live in a, a unfathomable rage, racist country. I mean, that it's always, always already, which was a, a, a term like, of way of understanding that I learned in, in feminism in grad school, always already. America was always already racist. It's never going to stop being racist. I think that's sort of a separate thing from you just have to make the art you're going to make. Okay. You putting your memoir art in the world, no matter whether you're white or a person of color, it's not changing the need for a civil rights uprising or your participation in it. It's not usurping that. It's just you putting out your art into the world. I think people who have been socialized not to take up space feel like if they take up any space, they're taking something away from someone else. And there are people who could take up less space in the world. You as a memoir artist are probably not one of them. Truthfully, most artists, unless you're extraordinarily famous and a supreme douchebag, of which there are many, great. It'd be great if Jeff Koons took up a little bit less space. He's not going to. Civil rights uprising or no. You memoir artists, please make your work. Put it out in the world because you have to do that because it helps you process being alive. And then your audience who connects with it, it's helping them process being alive. So by doing that, you're making yourself and your connected audiences ready and available to participate in uprising. What do you think? I agree. I have nothing to add to this. I think your answer was perfect. Um, yeah, like you always say, it's just it's your way of metabolizing the world and responding to the world. And perhaps your point of view is going to have those nuances that your readers really need so that they can join in. <laughs> Dear Sagittarian Matters, what is your advice for anxious avoidant types trying to maintain attachments, romantic or not? And Beth mm. Biggins, will you describe what an anxious avoidant type is? Well, it's an insecure attachment style. Anxious avoidant. Um, I would have to look at the Wikipedia to do a quick refresher. But, you know, attachment theory tells us, like, basically how we are attached and how we're wired through attachment when we're infants, before we're even verbal. So it gets, like, hardwired into us. So anxious anxious attachment is um, we're afraid that, uh, we're afraid mommy's not coming back. We flip out. We don't trust that someone's going to take care of us. And avoidant, anxious avoidant, avoidant attachment would be more like... Um, Oh, you left, so fuck you. I don't need you, right? Like, I never, I don't need mommy. I'll find a different mommy or I'll do it myself. So, so what to do? What, you restate it again. How can anxious avoidant attachment what, types? What, do we have any advice for them trying to maintain attachments, romantic or not? Mm, I mean, my overall answer is always just therapy is different kinds of modes of therapy to learn about how how you attach and experience relationships and learning um over time the gentle healing to you that is necessary for you to feel more at peace in relationships and i don't think there's any kind of a quick fix for attachment except to know that it just starts with you it starts with working on yourself because even if it's getting triggered by another person's behavior the thing that starts with you is who do you choose to be in your life 
of, of course, we, we may choose people that are a familiar pattern that's very, very painful for us. So we might have anxious attachment and keep choosing relationships, romantic and otherwise, of people who are inconsistent or people who punish us or people who um, run hot and cold. Because that might be familiar and, and that, that stirring up of our anxiety of attachment might be really familiar. So the long, hard work that can also be really gentle can be done in all kinds of recovery programs and in therapy. That's usually my answer for everything therapy yeah and I guess you know it's if I've just like layman on the street just saying like you know just popping off here's my advice for this I would agree with everything Beth Pickens says and I would say for you to consider that how you're choosing people are they the hot and cold people that Beth was talking about are when you're choosing people are they are you attracted to them in a way that feels old in a way that feels kind of animal in the way that you were raised. Because probably if you have a fucked up attachment style, I'll just go ahead and put a label on it because I do. Um, If you have an attachment style that feels like an insecure attachment style, probably your training at some point led you to be wildly attracted to people that are, you know, pretty bad for you. And you can feel the difference between, and and or you can learn to feel the difference. You know, you can do a little inventory of yourself of the people you know or people you've been in relation with that make you feel actually safe and comfortable and people that you were just like wildly attracted to and those kinds of red flags and then really listen to those red flags and trust that you're going to be okay no matter what. So if you really like somebody but they have tons of red flags, knowing that if you step away from that person, there's something different from you that's better. There's more for you. There's something different for you. You're leaving space for that. And if there's people that you're with in your life, that are safe or feel safe and don't feel like you have that wild attraction to them in that particular way, are there ways where you can take contrary action? Where if you are avoidant, where you can try and actually reveal instead of conceal, you know, in your relationship with them, just always think, am I going to reveal or conceal? And if you have an avoidant type, you might be used to concealing and self-soothing, but what if you're like, I'm going to let, I'm going to see what happens if I'm vulnerable with this person at an appropriate time. And then let them kind of build on that. And if you're anxious, just being like, okay, I'm just going to have faith that if I let go of the wheel, this person will will take their part. And that I don't have to like be choking everything to death or white knuckling through this. Mm, that's really nice. And also your attachment style, it's not a condemnation and it's not an inevitability. It's just information, just information about how you're wired and then you can choose you can choose a path of healing and, and moving away from the, the painful parts of that attachment style. I agree. Hmm. Should I edit out myself saying fucked up attachment style? No, it is. I mean, as two people with anxious attachment, it is fucked up. It's very painful. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel, it feels fucked up when you're reading about secure people with attachment. You're like, must be nice. Must you just be thought nice. mommy was coming back? <laughs> well, then anxious avoidant. I mean, I do really, I do really relate to the baby smoking a cigarette being like, I didn't, I didn't even notice you were gone. I, I don't need I just, I, I just took my mom. diaper off. I don't need care. What are you talking about? I just pissed all over the floor. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just threw a, threw a pile of baby powder on the floor and just scooted my butt through it after I peed all over myself. <laughs> this one, it feels very practical and I don't fully understand Dear Sagittarius Matters, how do I return to writing events in a monthly planner instead of being glued to my phone? Uh, <laughs> Sincerely phoning in 
God, I already used Florida, Phoenix. Phonium. How do you return to the analog to reduce your phone usage? I'm, I'm a big fan of analog. I do a lot of things that could be done on a phone on paper. One way that helps me is like all of these tools are in the same place. So I have a new planner for the new, for the, for 5781, for the new Jewish year. (laughs) And it just sits on my desk where I work, where my phone and my computer also are. Um, But I think one way you can make that transition is by reconciling the two once a week. Because maybe you're out and about and you just have your phone and you don't have your computer, so you're making a note in a phone. Or you make a a plan to always have that planner on you. But as a person who was a very late adopter to technology, like I didn't have social media until I think 2009 or something. And I didn't... um, I didn't have a debit card until t- I, I was writing checks only until 2008. Um, I love that. I know. I'm very analog. I love analog. I think you just, if, if you're making a note in your phone, then you just reconcile the thing once a week. I won't go on because maybe this is boring you. I prefer, I write everything in my planner. I actually don't use a Google calendar. The only thing I use my Google calendar for is Zoom meetings. So I can just say yes to that right away so that I have the Zoom link already in my calendar, but I don't look at that calendar. I I get planners from Little Otsu. I get a blank planner every year from them. Uh, you can find them online or you can find them in Portland, Oregon. And then I fill out the planner and I, I just do my planner physically. I don't keep an online calendar. I don't like that. I ask people if it's for work, I ask them to email me the plan, even if they've tried to make it over the phone or via text, just so I have it. And then I just write it down right away. Um, And I just always have my planner with me and it's small enough that I can always have it with me. I'm not usually making plans when I'm, you know, just wearing a bikini and heels, walking the dog, luckily. So um, that's, that's my tip for you person. And it's really fun to fill out the little Otsu planners. You have to fill it in yourself so you can start it whenever. And, and that's that. I really, I don't like looking at the phone like that. Today's episode is brought to you by Maria Turner Carney, Emily Helmus, Grace Lambert, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Christy Herod, Mary Pinson, Michelle Lemoyne, and Joey Soloway. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, especially producer Chris Sutton. Please send $5, $5 million, that's your choice, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect, leg like its appendage at gmail. Or, this just in, he's got a Venmo, Hell Books, on Venmo. That's H-E double hockey sticks books. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it too. Don't be scared, that's just Ponyo's voice. We want to give a special shout out this week to Sagittarian Test Kitchen sous chef Kaya Wilson for preparing the tahini sweet potato for us to try. Thank you, Chef Kaya. We appreciate your support. Dear Sagittarian Matters, help. Please help. My dad believes the QAnon conspiracy shit. He used to be a reasonable guy. He's a former teacher, scientist, and hippie. I'm afraid I'm losing him to conspiracies. What do I do? I just listened to a recent episode of Reply All that was about the founding of QAnon and where it came from. And it was extremely upsetting. (sighs) 
all right, I'm going to tell you something that you might not like, and that's that you may have no control over this situation. You might not be able to talk him out of his conspiracy theories. You might not be able to um, change his views. You might not be able to change him at all. He might fall deeper and deeper into this worldview, as happens with a lot of people. Here's what you can do. You can have boundaries. You can decide what you talk about with him. You can decide what's what's on the table to talk about, what's not on the table to talk about. You can decide for him to be challenged in his misguided conspiracy theories, are you, his child, actually a good person to engage with? Or might he hmm. hear it better from a different person? And I don't know. I don't know your relationship. Maybe your dad is really open to you and listens to you talk. Sometimes in families with the, the entrenched dynamics, when it comes to extreme political divides, listening to one another, we're not the ideal people to sort of change someone else's belief system. It actually might be better suited to come elsewhere. If you're concerned about him, you can tell him. If there's, if there's things about him that are making it hard to be in relationship, you can relay that information. Um, you can say it once and then you got to drop it. But I think people also have to experience the full consequences of their choices. So your dad's um, falling into QAnon, if that starts to affect your relationship, then he can experience the consequences of that, right? Like you don't have to stifle or hide yourself to accommodate this part of him. You can be open and honest with him and then set your boundaries. And he may experience like, oh, wow, my kid doesn't want to talk to me so much anymore, because I'm so deep into this. What do I want to do about that? Maybe nothing, maybe something. But I don't think you, I don't think you can change him. I think that's all. I think that's really good advice. I have nothing to add. I don't completely understand what QAnon is. It's just think of the worst thing on the internet. It's that. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I've, I have family members that are like, why don't you follow me on Facebook? And why did you block me on Facebook? And I had to be like, oh, because you reposted homophobic things, and I didn't want to look at that. And yeah, then, that's a consequence to somebody's behavior. The consequence is they only get limited access to you. The relationship can only go so far. That's just a natural consequence to people's choices. I'm a big yeah. fan of, like, people get to live out the consequences of their actions, positive and not so positive. And you get to have a feeling about it. You get to you get to hold space in that. You don't have to just go with whatever weird thing your family gets into because they're your family. Well, Beth, I have a question that goes with that before I ask our last listener advice question. But my question is, do you have any tips for people as we approach this election? As we are a couple months out, doom and gloom, there's fires, RGB just passed away. What are your tips for listeners about how to stay sane and ways that they can help? with the election in any way take three swigs and buckle in no i'm just kidding um yes i have lots of advice because now in my wisdom now that i'm middle-aged now that i'm a middle-aged lesbian fully firmly mm. in my 40s i've been through several terrible elections and I realized, like, this is one kind of wisdom you get as you grow older, is you've lived through many administrations. Like, my 20s were largely terrible during the w, the w years. And we, I think now, like, young people who are in their 20s and early 30s now, they don't know because they were too young. But, like, voting in the 2004 election and how that turned out, it is haunting me about this 
upcoming election. I'm having a lot of the same feelings as I did for the 20, the 2004 election. But so I've now lived through multiple administrations. I kind of relaxed and became complacent during the Obama years. And then I realized that that was a blip in my political life lifespan. And I may never return to something like that again. Um, and that, that hypervigilance that got to relax for eight years is now constricting again. And that's very painful and difficult. So I know for me, and I can extrapolate from my experience that I, in order to do this long haul lifetime commitment to being a politically engaged person who cares about making the world more livable for people more vulnerable than me, that the way I have to do that is I have to take care of myself and keep showing up. It starts with, I got to take care of myself. I have to dip in, dip out, dip in, dip out. It's sort of like I dip into news and engagement and activism, and then I dip out and go into Love Island or reading a book or doing something unrelated. I dip in, I dip out. When I have a hard day at work because I work in a helping profession and people are in a lot of pain, maybe that night I don't have capacity to do anything that is connected to anything political or in reality. But maybe on the weekends, that's when I do my phone banking. I did some phone banking over the weekend. It was awesome. Why was it awesome? Because I hadn't worked all day. I like could do other things that were fun and take care of myself, and then I could show up for some political work. But I think it's that it's marathon, marathon, marathon. This is a lifelong commitment. We don't want anyone to burn out. The reason why so many activists burn out in their mid twenties is because they lose balance and they're sprinting and going hard. Of course, I know I did. Many people I love did as well. But then you have to establish an equilibrium where you are you are uh, jumping in, jumping out, going into the water, going back onto the shore. It has to be balanced. It has to start with you take care of yourself, all parts of yourself, including the part of you that is deeply political and politically engaged. And then take three swigs and buckle up. And buckle up. Do you recommend people phone banking or adopting a state if they have the capacity for that? You do anything that you're willing to do. The thing that you don't want to do, stop staring at that thing. If it's phone banking and you're like, I should, but I don't want to, just drop it, do a different thing. The thing is, there are millions of things to be done. They all need doing. Pick a thing that you're willing to do and can do and keep showing up for it regularly. I wrote a whole book about this called making, no, that was the pamphlet called Your Art Will Save Your Life. It is a toolkit for people to manage their political lives while still having their art practice, whether they intersect or do not. And there's lots of different frameworks you can adopt. So a framework I just adopted this year, for example, is I got involved with White People for Black Lives in the aware Los Angeles AWARE chapter. Because I realized I needed a constant, regular way to be engaged in anti-racist action with other committed white people that wasn't um, solo, that didn't depend on my own willpower, that didn't depend on whether my friends were doing it too. I could just like go be in the river that was already moving. And that has been super helpful because it's just a framework I participate in. And there's lots of people and it's not dependent on any one person or any person's will. That's been really good for me. So I've been doing a lot of things there, which has led me to things like phone banking for Measure J um, on behalf of Justice LA in Los Angeles. It's led me to other things that are actionable that I can do. I love this, Beth Pickens. And here's my other tip. And this is controversial, but it works for me. I no longer talk about the political things I do on the internet. 
You will never know unless you listen to Sagittarian Matters on talking about it. Because I realized that social media was starting to feed or deflate my ego in a way that interacted with my ability to show up for my value system. And so I realized if I do something and then talk about it on social media, for me, it starts to become about my ego and people knowing I did something instead of me knowing I did something and my higher power knowing I did something. That's between me and my Lord, whatever that Lord God is, okay? So the political work I do, is be, it's, it's for me to know about because the reason for it is because I believe in justice. And for other people, using their platform to promote things that they're doing might be really useful. For me, it was eroding my ability to show up. So I no longer humble brag or brag or even discuss or elevate anything that I do politically on the internet. If you ever have questions, you can ask me and I'll tell you what I'm doing. But I'm not going to talk about it on the internet. Oh my God, I love this. I'm very, 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 very happy to hear this. And I, we did talk about this on the last episode that you that you came on. Um, but I also have adopted your and Ann Friedman's social media thing of not posting about something until I've actually done it and trying to be very specific about things that I share so that people know it's something that I've actually done. And then hopefully I can share it so they can do it then too. Do you have any tips, quarantine tips for couples here in the sixth month of quarantine? <laughs> We asked you this question <laughs> at the beginning of quarantine when we had our Sagittarian, Ma- Mar- Sagittarian Matters live Zoom show. Do you have updated advice now, six months in? God, the live Zoom show. It feels like that was 10 years ago. Um, yeah, like laugh a lot. Laugh, 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 laugh. Just laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Laugh a lot <laughs> and um, give each other a goddamn break. Give each other, like let each other off the hook. Let yourself off the hook and give each other this home alone as much as possible. One of you leave the house, then the other one leave the house. Give each other the experience of being psychologically alone or if there's other people who live there too, at least not with your partner for a little bit. People need a little bit of space, even people who aren't saying that. Mm, I think that's really that's really good advice. Oh, Keep and, other- and, and, friends. Friends, friends, friends. Both of you talk to friends. Spend time with friends. Be in friendship. Don't rely on your partner to be the main person because that's too much pressure right now. That is a lot of pressure. I was thinking about how a few months ago we talked about how everyone is doing basically like 40% capacity. Everyone's a little, everyone at some point was at about 40% capacity because of quarantine. And now there have been fires and there has been smoke and there's been RGB passing away and the stress of what's going to happen with the Supreme Court. And I was like, I feel like now everyone emotionally is at like 25%. But I do find that work has found a way to come back up to 100% of like, oh, you better show up. And, Even my rabbi, I think, lost it. So Rosh Hashanah was this previous Friday and Saturday, and um, Friday night in Friday night at like eleven forty, almost midnight, Los Angeles had a big earthquake. And when oh, yeah, it happened, <laughs> when it happened, I think we're all like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Just like sort of ripping out our hair, like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And even the next morning at Zoom services for Rosh Hashanah, my rabbi, who's like kind of unflappable, was just like, uh, "That's what put me over the edge." I was like, come on, the, the fires and now an earthquake, like that's, it's just too much. It's just too much. <laughs> yeah, this is a pressure cooker. You listener yeah. are in a pressure cooker and 
a hundred percent of the people you interact with in a day are also in a pressure cooker of their own internal and external circumstances. It's way too much. So we got to let ourselves and other people off the fucking hook. Like it's a pressure cooker and you do what you have to do to take care of yourself. We may not be who we want to be right now on any given day. We may be just who we can be. Hi listeners, it's me, Nicole. If you would like to support me and Ponyo, in particular our comics and animal illustrations, go to patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. And for as little as $2 a month, you can have access to hundreds of pages of otherwise unpublished diary comics. For the price of one cold brew plus tip, you can become an honorary Sagittarian. And for the price of two vegan cupcakes or two vegan donuts, you can become a Ponyo's Friend Club member, at which point you really start raking in goods, including new buttons. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. Beth Pickens, do you believe in... the? I just heard a conspiracy theory that coronavirus was actually created as a ploy from the rockabilly community to get more women into roller skating. Now, you are roller skating adjacent. You got yourself some roller blades. And I want to know if you confirm or deny this conspiracy theory. Well, as a blader, I can't say mm-hmm. an avid blader because I've only put them on once since I bought them. But stay tuned. I still have to get knee pads and, and elbow pads, as I said, I'm middle-aged. As a blader, there is really an uptick, an uptick TikTok resurgence of roller skating babes, right? We see a lot of that. And I know there's big roller skating communities in Venice Beach, which maybe have never gone away, but they're just more visible right now on TikTok. Um, So I, this is a conspiracy I can get behind. I think the rockabilly community has been doing things all along that we haven't been paying attention to. I mean, I, I have to say there's probably some segments of the rockabilly community that have kept Americana vibes alive, Americana aesthetics alive, which maybe led to the uprising of white supremacy. And you could thank them for Donald Trump. Just Anything saying. white mid-century in America. I think once a white person does like a certain percentage of anti-racist reading, anytime you see anything that calls up like an Americana mid-century, if it doesn't make your spine tingle and give you shudders, you got to keep reading. <laughs> now, when I, when I was a kid and like a younger person, I was like, ooh, like old timey things are cool. Now, when I see anything that evokes the 1950s, I just think of Jim Crow. Like... Even hearing any kind of rock music from around that time, I'm like, oh, where did you get that song from? Oh, where'd you get all of that from? Um, Beth Pickens, do you have anything else you would like to tell us about? I think that you may have some big announcements coming around the bend, and we can't even talk about them here because they're so big that they'll break... They'll break my earbuds. I have How big can people news. find out about this? Big, big news. So I have a book coming out in April 2021, which is still many months away. But stay tuned, listeners. There's a really good book coming your way. I worked really hard on it. And it's, it's a really good book for artists and people who feel like artists. But in the meantime, <clears throat> I have two super secret projects that are going to roll out in October. One of which is free and one of which costs money. And the way you can be informed about them is get on my mailing list. Go to BethPickens.com 
and just like do the thing, you know, there's just like a little widget that's like join Beth's mailing list. I send emails very infrequently. You will not be abused. It will never be bought nor sold, but you will hear about my super secret projects that are rolling out in October. And you will hear about when my book goes on sale. And I don't, do is there, can people get a savings somehow? Can people benefit from this? Well, for people who, who um, get in on the paid project that I'm doing, the one that costs money, if you join in 2020, it's going to be less money, and then the price is going to go up next calendar year. So it behooves you, listener, to get on my mailing list so you hear about these things as soon as they happen, and everything I do is just to support artists. It's just to help artists make their work and help it be in the world and live their lives in a manageable way. So if you're a person who likes hearing me give advice or even better you want me to tell you what to do you're gonna want to be in on this gig oh my god i cannot wait so they can just go to bethpickens.com join my mailing list and you're gonna hear all about it i live to tell you listener what to do beth pickens thank you so much for coming back on the podcast thank you for having me this is like always a highlight to get to see your face over zoom and get to be with the listeners i love your podcast i listen to it all the time so getting to be part of the sagittarian matters community as a resident capricorn makes me feel really good sagittarian matters is produced by chris sutton with assistance by ponyo georges our theme music is composed by carolyn pennypacker riggs of the band bouquet thank you for listening and i'll see you next time